Hey, what's up, y'all? This is Kui Paul, and you're listening to Kui Paul Rants right here on Castbox.fm uh, in my channel, Square or Mile City Podcasts, uh, and once again, KPR, and you're listening to me. Uh, so yeah, uh, I'm actually recording this podcasts uh, right after going to a very special concert uh, here in the heart of downtown LA, historic Filipino town at Bootleg Theater. The uh, the concert was for the uh, very talented uh, and very uh, passionate performer, hip hop artists, uh, and all around dope girly uh, Ruby Ibarra. And I actually got to go to her uh, her concerts to uh, in promotion of her uh, new album, Circa '91. Um, was very blessed uh, in being there and in really just experiencing the entire the entire concert uh, before I get into it though I did want to let you know um, as always just a couple of housekeeping things number one of course you are finding this podcast in castbox.fm you can download the app for free and you can follow and I really do encourage that you follow subscribe like uh, this podcast uh, and the channel score mall city podcasts um, I have definitely several other podcasts that I'm working on or um, already have up on the channel. Uh, there is KPNJ podcasts, uh, millennial uh, millennial rants from a Gen Xer, um, and a millennial. <laughs> um, but um, there's also, of course, KPR. And yeah, that's basically it. Uh, by the time you're hearing this podcast as well, too, um, I will have uh, more podcasts up off. Uh, and yeah, just enjoy the channel. Uh, feel free to uh, uh, once again subscribe, share it with your friends, uh, so uh, more people can uh, can listen to the podcast, enjoy the podcast as well too, and all of my different rants that I'm having. And as always, as always, as always, I am recording in my car on my way home, as is my rights, as is my wants. Yeah, that's basically it. And. I think I mentioned it before, but I like recording here just because it is kind of like a sound booth, even though I am driving, you can hear that sound. Um, yeah, but it's also kind of the, one of the more quiet places that I can find. Um, I was actually supposed to record with my lapel mic. Um, I didn't have it for a couple weeks uh, because it was stuck in my car while it was being sh- uh, worked on, but I uh, pulled it out of my car finally, and I found out that I kept the battery on, so now the lapel mic's not working. <laughs> So I don't have that right now. That's why you're hearing a little bit more um, extra noise right now. It is what it is. Um, and I'm supposed to be driving right now to Riverside, but I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, I'm supposed to stay over at a friend's house. But unfortunately, I think he has fallen asleep. And that's okay as well, too. Um, I think I'm just going to go home right now. So this will be about a 30-minute podcast. Uh, from here all the way to my house. Usually takes about that long going from LA. Um, so, all this being said, um, I did go to the concert Ruby Bar Circuit 91. I'll admit, I have not heard the album yet, uh, which is really great for me because I really enjoyed the live music and being surprised by every single song. The girly is straight talented. Uh, this is not necessarily a promotion of her music. Um, I just really personally um, am a kind of a fanboy of hers. Um, not, I'm not a super fanboy, like I don't know all her songs and stuff, but I have 
uh, been able to see um, her meteoric rise um, into um, where she is right now and I, I really appreciate it um, uh, firstly uh, because she is Filipino American probably secondly um, because she is a uh, female MC and we I'll say it this way um, it is that we do need more of them but it's also really dope to see just talent like nothing to do with her background not even nationality or anything dude the girl is talented and freaking like she's awesome she's she's just awesome uh she doesn't need any and this is what i really like about her she don't need no gimmick she don't need to be like oh i'm a female rapper or i'm a filipino american no she's just freaking i'm a dope hip-hop artist and she's awesome a great lyricist an incredible performer especially live um and the set that she had was basically with a live band um whenever you do live sets um it's and like basically kind of live sets concert value type um performances there is always that fear that you're um that's well that, that well a fear from the audience that that you might feel like oh i'm just gonna listen to the al album i can just listen to my car um what makes it different and she brought so much musicality so much um like with her band, uh, shout outs to Balik Bayan. Um, that's the band's name, um, which I actually do like as well too. But like, I, I really enjoyed the the live uh, live performance aspect, the musicality, the performance value, uh, the composition of every performance. It was great. Uh, barely any kind of hiccups. They did have to set up a couple times with some special, um, some special like Filipino. Um, traditional Filipino-esque music and instruments so there was a little bit of downtime there but other than that I mean the audience was hyped it was really great um, and she did a really incredible job uh, with the with the music that um, that, that and, um, and her album that she presented it was really great if you haven't picked it up already and again this is not an ad I just really like her music um, but y'all should pick up circa 91 download it not sure where it is i'm actually going to be searching it on spotify hopefully it's there because that is my music app for basically everything so i'm hoping it's there <laughs> um honestly though like it was an enjoyment to watch uh, a couple of friends were telling me about um ruby borrow being here in la um i was hedging back and forth um and then like i, I basically asked one of my friends it's like hey if i bought tickets would you come with me um and uh, she's very um, like the friend that I was inviting. She's very she's very down for um, uh, she's she's very down for Filipino culture. She's actually going to school basically uh, in observance to it, um, doing cultural studies, um, but also on a, on the biblical sense and also an outreach sense to the, to the local church. Um, so in terms of like getting in touch with. Um, and, and and understanding more about her Filipino roots and how that integrates uh, within the church, within worship, and within uh, basically our society as a whole, I knew she'd like it. So I basically used her as a litmus test. I was like, "Dude, if you come, like, if you come, I'll buy the tickets." Um, and she basically said, "Yes, she she would." And I was like, "Okay, I'm definitely going then." And I really did want to go. I just kind of needed like that little encouragement. Uh, we ended up going. It was a blast. Uh, once again, um, 
just the performances. And if you don't know anything about the album, and I may butcher this a bit, but she did um, she did uh, talk a little bit about the origins of the album. Uh, basically, of course, um, as um, as is every want of every um, record label, um, they basically told her you have this much time uh, to create uh, to create your first album, and then of course with the album goes a tour and everything else. So um, she really just kind of uh, meditated on it, and she decided to do an album in reflection of her own Filipino heritage, but also in the eyes of. Um, her parents, who are um, who are migrants from the Philippines as well, too, and the, um, the 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 experiences, the struggles, the triumphs that both her and her parents experienced growing up um, in the U.S., but also um, continuing to establish their um, their Filipino heritage in their hearts um, and um, in their families and in their community. As well too. So a lot of the album is very f reflected on that. I don't want to say Filipino pride, but appreciation of of the struggle between Fil being Filipino and being an American, and being Filipino American. Um, I liked it. Um, I'll admit there was a lot that I could relate to. Um, as is uh, as is most rap, it's actually pretty fast, and I'm getting old manish. So it was hard for me to to pick up with everything. But uh, it real like if you really do listen to the, the words of music of many of the tracks on her album, it really is a reflected um, and relatable, very very relatable um, experience of being Filipino American living in the U.S. So um, I really liked it. Um, I uh, once again I hope it's on Spotify because that's my number one um, music app that I use uh, predominantly for basically all the music that I have. I know I'm, miss I'm missing a lot of music if I don't go everywhere, but I don't have that kind of money anymore. <laughs> like, that, that's a side note. It's just, it's like really hard to like, where do I buy the music? Do I go to Spotify? Do I go to iTunes? Do I buy it on Google Music? Do I buy it on, what's other ones? Like Pandora? Pandora's a mixture. I don't know. Like, where do I buy it? So I just decided Spotify is my one shop for all. So hopefully it's on Spotify. Um, but definitely shout outs to um, to Ruby Ibarra. She was uh, really great. Um, I really enjoyed the concerts. I love listening to live music. That's just me also. Um, I really I really vibe with it. I really vibe with the live the live music culture that you create within a, within a, uh, within a concert concert performance. And yes, I just I just miss live music. Like um, and I understand that. You know, studio recordings, um, it is um, more, at least like right now, at least like within our music culture right now, digital music is, um, digital mus music and instruments, it's just much more predominant. Um, producers kind of leaning towards that. I'm not mad at it. It's actually, a lot of it's actually really good. And of course I have a lot of friends that not only do I appreciate their um, their music and their music mix on a digital level, um, but there are I have some favorite producers out there actually too. Um, that all that being said, there's something about live music. There's something about or like like live keyboard, even though the keyboard is technically digital. Uh, live drums. There's a live saxophone. Live trombone. Come on, man. I was just like, this is freaking awesome, dude. I really like. 
the entire concert. Uh, it was at Bootleg Theater. Really great. Um, a really great venue. Um, and yeah, it was just pretty awesome. I really enjoyed it. Um, so, um, all that being said, um, one of the things I actually uh, really wanted to, uh, to delve in today and to talk is here's the thing like the entire time I was actually actually um, um, going through the concerts and listening to, to Ruby Barr and her um, and her songs and her just her reflection on her upbringing um, I was I was compelled not really forced really just I was compelled passionately compelled to kind of like look at my background and I kind of wanted to talk about that um I, I'll say this, like, kind of to start. I grew up being a Filipino um, and an American, um, honestly. Um, and I was raised Filipino. But I don't feel Filipino. And let me explain that. Like, of course I'm Filipino. Um, and I was born Filipino from two Filipino parents and you can take that however you want um, because of course like Filipino parents um, if you know anything about the Philippines let me let me maybe let, let's start with that um, there's a um, uh, the background of, uh, of of a lot of Filipinos has has been and definitely is um, the uh, the I not the idea. It's how do I say this? I'm trying to make it. I'm, I'm trying to make it. I, 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 ugh, I'm, I'm trying to make it like. I don't want to say nice. I'm just trying to make it clear. Um, because of colonization, let's start with that. Because of colonization during the imperialistic era, and on to of course towards the modern era, um, the last few centuries. Um, Filipinos were under the rule of, of, of the Spanish government. Um, so, predominantly, um, predominantly Filipinos are a um, kind of a mixed bag of, of of bloodlines. So, in my family, we're mixed. We're a mixed bag. Also, there is some Spanish blood. I think um, my dad's side or my mom's. I keep, I keep forgetting which side. That supposedly my great grandfather was a conquistador. Um, so I have Spanish blood in me. Um, it is one of the things that that's uh, Ruby and the and the rest of her album basically tackle is the fact that it is one of the struggles of Filipino culture. And I found out, oh, I found this out that um, there's three main struggles of the Filipino. Um, and then um, I think it's like one was like basically governments. Another one was feudalism. And then the other one was imperialism. I didn't know that. <laughs> and like, you know, like it's, I'm learning, I'm learning stuff. And um, these are supposedly, supposedly, um, the struggles that Filipino, that Filipinos have been struggling with or currently struggling with as well too. There are, um, I guess you could say, not that I would, but I guess you could say there, there, there could be arguments for and against that, the idea of that. Um, that being said, like, um, imperialism was a big thing 
um, in kind of my my recent thoughts on being Filipino and being Filipino American um, because uh, and I only think about it because it's never got it's never come to mind and I guess this is where I go into my upbringing as a Filipino uh, I knew I was Filipino because of my family um, and I knew I was Filipino because of um, my church culture to be honest um, that's where being Filipino to me meant the most was that I was born in I was born Filipino raised Filipino because I went to a Filipino church um, and I was raised Christian um, there was a short time when my family did go to the Catholic Church didn't even go to the Filipino Catholic Church I don't even know if this is a thing I think that might be a thing but we, we went to Catholic Church for a very short time then um, we started going to a Filipino church Christian church um, a Protestant church um, in fact, if, if you want to go more specific, very Pentecostal, charismatic church, and that's where my my parents um, accepted the Lord and got saved. That's where I got saved, and my sisters slowly after that, as well too. Well, not slowly, not slowly. That's the wrong word. Um, shortly, shortly after that. Um, but that's really like where I really felt the most Filipino as being in a Filipino church. And a lot of my culture as a Filipino-American stemmed from that. Stemmed from, well, what did, we, what did we do at church? We had potluck, we ate Filipino food, we did Filipino dance, we went to debutante balls, the booze. Um, we had, um, like, we spent time with family. Our families were very big. Um, we, um, um, from, from the way that we dressed uh, formally, um, during weddings, during funerals, a lot of my culture kind of stemmed from that, and I, I guess most culture does. Like you, you tend to use these, um, these, uh, these, these points of these points of interest within your life. That's not the right word, but anyway, I'm going to use it. Um, these touchstones within your life—that's the better word. These touchstones within your life, like marriages, like birthdays, like parties, um, like like celebrations, things like that. Um, you use these touchstones to um, to clean more of your culture because these are the regular things that happen within most every culture. Um, uh, the way that every the way that every culture uh, reacts to, to these times really kind of defines what your culture is in that sense. As a as a Filipino, I went like when I went to a Filipino party, um, it felt like it felt like culture to me because when I go to a party, there'd be um, there'd be like a huge, huge, uh, like, you know, like buffet table with pancit and rice. And if it was a fancy party, there would be lechon. Um, and then sometimes if it was kind of sp like, you know, and then you, you get those gleanings from it. Like you get gore gore, um, or you get like, uh, lupia shanghai, um, or you get, um, laga or sinigang. Um, in other cult in, in other uh, in other parts of uh, or other you know like for Filipinos from other parts and other provinces and other parts of the Philippines you might get like like um, like um, oh man I can't uh, sisig there you go that sounds like sisig or like um, or you might get like uh, calamari or whatever like you get all these different things so like that's where I got my culture um, the way that we celebrate that's where I get my culture as well too. Um, so, uh, 
uh, funerals was the same thing, the way that we buried our dead, um, and so on and so forth. And I can go on in terms of that, but really that that's, again, where I got my culture. Um, but being a Filipino, the thing is, I wasn't born in the Philippines. Some of my cousins were. Uh, so my cousins spent a couple of years within the Philippines before their family migrated over here to the States. I was born off of Hollywood Boulevard at a Kaiser Permanente. That's actually still there. It just grew. Um, but I believe that's where I was born. I think my sister was born in the one in North Hollywood. And then my other sister was born back in that Kaiser or somewhere else. I forget. But I was born basically off of Hollywood Boulevard. Or Hollywood and Sunset. Somewhere around there. Um, so I was, I was born here. Born and raised. U.S. So a lot of my upbringing also tended to be American. And then as an American upbringing, I have that as well too. Mostly from school. Mostly from that stuff. Mostly from school or television or the way that we... Or, um, again, the way that you, you do any kind of celebration. So, like, a lot of my culture, American culture, came from going to school, interacting with my friends and seeing their culture, seeing American culture... Um, looking at cartoons and, and finding out like the predominant um, cartoons like when I watch TV this is actually a really big thing too when I watch TV I didn't watch I didn't watch anime anime was not a thing when I was growing up like you didn't there was no tsunami there was no like there was no anime there was no Dragon Ball there was nothing like that on TV I got G.I. Joe I got He-Man and She-Ra I got um, Ninja Turtles um, I got uh, Transformers. Transformers was probably the closest thing I got to anime, honestly, for the longest time when I was growing up. I didn't get my first piece of anime um, until I went to a vacation Bible school um, at my cousin's church. It was a Methodist church. And that's when I got my first piece of anime, which was um, Akira, uh, which is basically like that old anime movie with uh, Tetsuo and with, I forgot the other guy's name, and then they were doing those like those laser bikes that like that were kind of reminiscent of Tron, but like even the animation style and the fact that it was adult oriented. I never like I was like, what the heck? I've never seen a cartoon like this. This is a different kind of cartoon. Um, and then after that, then I saw like parts of Dragon Ball. Um, this is back in the eighties, man. And it was like the first time I watched Dragon Ball, I was actually watching a tape of the Majin Buu saga. Um, when Majin Buu was still like the fat Majin Buu and he was fighting uh, man this is going deep and uh, Majin Buu was already fighting um, what's his name um, uh, uh, Dobura which is the demon king and that's and I that's when I saw like Majin, I remember the last thing that I saw before I had to go home was Majin Buu turned Dobura into a cookie and ate him and then I had to go home and it was on Japanese and the subtitles were Poorly, horrible, horribly poor, whatever you want to call it. Um, yeah, and that was like that was my memory. That was that, that was my like American style upbringing. Uh, other things as well too, like in terms of other celebrations. Like Disneyland is very uniquely American. And when we go celebrate, we go to Disneyland, not Berry Farm, Universal Studios. Like a lot of these, a lot of these places, or even not. Like you know, like we'd go to other places, like. Like we go go kart racing, or we go uh, play miniature golf, things like that. Very American stuff, technically. Um, I guess you could say. I don't know about golf, but you know, like go kart racing and stuff, and like whatever. Like those are those are ways that we, we would celebrate. I'm not sure if that was like technically 
I know other cultures definitely had it, but I felt like I, I gleaned a lot of American culture from that, the way we enjoyed life. Um, all this to say, going back, I never really, I was never really raised in the Philippines. Um, when, while I was growing up, uh, and especially in, into my middle school and high school years, uh, I would start getting challenges. Um, it started with my family. I remember my um, at the Noyland uh, was became one of the dance dance extras in the famous Filipino movie *The Boo*, uh, with the uh, with the um, still famous Dante Bosco uh, being basically the lead actor. Uh, within that that film, and I remember she was talking about, oh yeah, you know, support the film. I'm gonna be dancing, and she was like part of the debutante ball. She was part of the um, uh, what you got the the cotillion dance, the traditional cotillion dance. Um, and I remember seeing her, and I was like, oh, this is really dope. Like my my uh, my cousin's in a movie. Honestly, when I was looking at that movie, I didn't necessarily think of it as a Filipino movie. <laughs> I just thought it was like, oh, he's in the movie, and it just so happens to be about Filipinos. Um, yeah, it never, to, to be honest, it never really occurred to me to, to really think that way, to think that it was, like, uh, Filipino. Um, but it was, it, it was a shot in the dark. A shot, in, not shot in the dark, um, shot in the arm for me kind of thinking about my culture. Now, that was about middle school, high school, um, and those challenges started coming coming in. Like, people would start asking me, it's like, why don't you speak Tagalog? It's like, it never really occurred to me. I remember having a conversation with my mom one time, me and my sisters, we were in the car, Maybe I was in middle school. We were, you know, we were grown enough to ask more serious questions. I remember that. And there was one time I asked my mom, and maybe she would have changed her. Honestly, like because we've we've had this talk before. Um, I've told my mom, it's like, but you said this. And here's the question: I, I basically asked my mom, uh, it's like, mom, why don't we speak Tagalog? And I remember her saying, and maybe she would have changed her answer later on as we gotten older. But this is the only time we asked her. Um, and we asked her once again, mom, why don't we speak Tagalog? And she looked at us, it's like, you're in America, speak English. And she doesn't really, she wasn't really forcing it on us. It wasn't basically saying, it's like, no, it's like, you know, like, don't, don't embrace your Filipino culture. I think it was just more in a reaction to like, like, if you're here and it's English that you speak, then just go ahead and speak English. I think she was more just giving us permission. Um, and perhaps also, um, it wasn't really on the top of mind for her or my dad that's, um, speaking Tagalog was important for our Filipino heritage, or at least just to grow up. To be fair, I'll also say this. As we were growing up, um, our, in terms of culture, um, much more than being Filipino, the culture that we grew up in was emphasized greatly on being Christian, on being followers, lovers, and disciples of Christ. So, in growing up with a Christian culture, I never really got that shot in the shot in the arm to be a Filipino American. I always knew I was um, more Asian than just more Asian actually. Like when I was growing up, than just Filipino. Um, I actually got some pretty racist remarks and teasings when I was actually growing up. When I was in fifth grade, they used to call me chop suey. Um, that was pretty mean. I didn't really see it as racist. I didn't really see it. Honestly, look, here, here's the thing. I went to a school where there weren't too many minorities. There was like a couple of Asian kids and I was one of them. Like in every class, there may, there may have been one Asian kid. 
and the Asian was always different. Like, I remember, like, there was, like, one Japanese kid, there was one Chinese, and I was in my class. I think we had, like, a Chinese and Filipino, which was me. I never really saw my, like, being Filipino, I knew I was Asian, but I never really saw myself as being um, a minority. I never really saw it. Even when I was in fifth grade, and and this and, and and this guy who ended up becoming my friend in high school, which is really weird. But basically, this guy was teasing me. He was he was a year at no, I was in fourth grade. My bad. I was in fourth grade, and he was teasing me in fifth grade, and he called me chop suey. Um, and I didn't think it was racist. <laughs> I just thought, no, look, I remember, I remember. Oh man, this is a really good story. I remember. <laughs> I remember like not liking being called chop suey, but I didn't feel like it was because I was Asian. I really didn't. I think a big part of it um, definitely was the fact that like, um, um, I guess I could say it's not because I was Filipino. I think I just got mad at him um, because it was wrong. <laughs> I got mad at him because it's like, that's not just like, call me, call me like lumpia. Don't call me chop suey he's like because I'm not Chinese <laughs> and I, I think I got mad at him because like you're just getting it wrong and that's why I was just, like so upset but I didn't feel like disenfranchised I didn't feel discriminated I just felt like he's teasing me because I'm a fourth grader and he was just looking for a name and because he didn't know what kind of Asian I was he just called me chop suey um it's a lesson that I learned as well too because as I, I was growing up because like um like we uh, the way that we challenge each other like you know like kind of in terms of popularity and if you're cool one of the th one of the big games on the playground that where we'd see the fourth or fifth graders together so I would see this guy would be um, when we played four square and it was like if you don't know four square it's just like you're it's like four squares like all together to make one big square and then you get like different sections of the square so we judged each other uh, because we're fourth and fifth graders because we don't know any better we judged each other in terms of popularity and coolness by how good you were at Foursquare and I remember people starting to respect me when I actually finally got good at that game like before before I wasn't that good because I was a fourth grader but as I continued to grow like in the middle of fourth grade or like towards the end probably like spring spring semester or spring quarter um, I started to get better at the game and then people were just like, hey man, chop suey, whatever, like whatever, like whatever. Um, oh dude, that brings back memories, dude. I remember like there was a there was a there was a friend of mine, I don't know if I can call him a friend, like you teased me a lot. Maybe he was discriminating with me, but I didn't get the discrimination. I just I just couldn't understand. I'm like, why are you teasing me? I got so mad one time, I think I punched him in the face. <laughs> and then I got like I got, I got, uh, I didn't get sent to the principal's office, but I got, like, I was told to, like, sit down uh, for the rest of lunch. And I don't think that guy bothered me again. I think, like, it was weird because, like, I kind of, like, earned his respect by punching him. Because he's just, like, I think I went, I, I think he just looked at me. He's like, I totally went too far teasing this guy. And he never bothered me again. We ended up talking. Um, that's a different story. <laughs> but anyway, kind of going back. Um, yeah, like... I never, like, when I was growing up, I never really felt that, like, the kind of Filipino that a lot of people within, like, kind of my social circle talk about now. And when I say social circle, like, I, I've been around a lot of, like, kind of open mics, a lot of, 
lot of artists um, within the industry, but also within kind of like the LA community. Um, like when I say artists too, I mean like poets, spoken word artists, just people who are kind of the cultural movers and shakers of the Filipino community within LA. And in, in meeting a lot of them, like the idea of, and I use this term loosely, Filipino pride, um, it, it, it beats very strongly with them. I think a lot of, a, a lot of what makes me feel like I'm kind of set apart, not necessarily, like, I'm not saying I'm better or worse or anything like that, I just feel like I don't necessarily totally fit in uh, within, within their, within the way they grew up is because, like, I didn't really grow up that, Fili that, that kind of Filipino, where being Filipino was both important to you, but at the same time, it's also kind of kept you back. When I see, when I look at my family, it's I don't necessarily see. Maybe it was, but I didn't necessarily see growing up that my family was ever was ever held back because of being Filipino, because of being a minority, because of being brown. I never really saw it because, like my aunt, like I saw with just like randomly people. Like my aunts actually became like like kind of like an assistant director within her company and I remember this like growing up and I was like six seven years old and she got like massive promotions and she became like executive assistants to like the CEO of her company um, other other um, other my aunts actually went like in high position uncles as well too my uncles on my dad's side like I have an uncle who's a doctor uh, uh, uncle who's um, who's like nurse and head of the nursing department um, uncles who were engineers and I was like never have I really seen like they were never held back like my dad like um, my mom and my dad by the way like they are they feel like kind of the definitive Filipino couple <laughs> because my dad is a postal worker and my mom was a nurse <laughs> and I was like can't get more derivative than that um, and then you see all my uncles and aunts and, like you know like also nurses like uh, uh, accountants um, engineers like they d definitely kind of it sounds very stereotypical but if you look at it that way I don't really see I've never really seen our family like feel kind of disenfranchised our family on both sides actually my mom and my dad's side were very like professionally successful um, and though we had like like in our family we, we didn't have everything we didn't we didn't really like my parents weren't rich people but they had their own house they had jobs or they were very secure and we never we never really went through a time where, where we went hungry whenever we needed food my parents were able to provide um, whenever we need like and I attribute that to the dedication of my parents but also, of course, I attribute it to kind of God's grace in our family. You know, like our family could have gone a different way, and it, it would it would behoove me not to not to put my gratitude unto God for what He did in our family. Um, because we never really went we never really went hungry. We never really went thirsty. Whenever we needed something, my parents were able to provide. So I never really felt that. Um, I never really felt anything like that. And I'm not saying that the Filipino experience is 
is like just predominantly struggle and everyone had their experiences. I'm not saying that necessarily. Um, I'm just saying that in terms of our family, I guess we had different struggles. It doesn't make, I, I don't think at all that it makes my experience less genuine. Um, but I never really had the time to reflect on, on, on the, on, on my upbringing as a Filipino. Lately, I think about it. During our trip to the Philippines, I started asking a lot of questions with my uncles, my aunts, uh, because I had a lot of time with them. And a lot of my questions really centered on our family, on, on you know, like what are really the important things within our family. One of the biggest questions that I ended up asking a lot of my, um, a lot of my aunts and uncles was why even they decided to go to the U.S. Like, why, why was it so important to go to the U.S.? Um, and it, it was funny. Like, they'd always talk about it was a better life. Um, and I really love my family because they, they looked at the U.S. as an opportunity, not necessarily as an escape. Um, I think of my, my aunt, my, uh, my aunt Ophi. The reason that, uh, like, her reason was really cool because she said that her, the reason that she wanted to go to the States is because she just saw a house. And then, like, and she's like, I just want that. I want to be able to have a big house. And she was a little kid when she thought of that, about that. But she's just like, I just want that opportunity. But she doesn't, she doesn't, um, she doesn't hold it against um, the Philippines um, that she wanted a big house. And I, I, and I say this, I say this genuinely too, and I say this with proof because um, her family, um, her and her husband, my uncle, um, have repeatedly gone back to the Philippines and um, helped with um, uh, um, help with uh, different uh, projects um, to um, basically kind of like rebuild the province, uh, provide more uh, like water wells and clean water. Have, they have helped the local government. They've gone back to the Philippines and give and given back. Um, so, like when I say like when I say all this, when I say about like how she just wanted a better life, it's like she didn't want a better life apart from the Philippines. She just wanted a better life for her, her and her family. Um, and I, I find that so so much of a blessing. Like my family never really saw it as just like it's like we got to go to the states and now we're like stuck in the states and whatever. And like this is this is it for us. They basically says like no, like this is like like um, they saw their family as important, and they have honor both for being here in the Amer- in, in, in the U.S., but also having lived and still do live um, from time to time um, in in the Philippines as well too. Like that that really like that really warmed my heart about my family, um, and. I mean, I see it with my parents as well too. They still, they still keep up with news about what's going on in the Philippines. My, my family on my dad's side in particular, they keep, uh, they really keep abreast to all the, all the inner workings of what's happening in their hometown, their province, and Papaya, uh, and uh, General Danilo, and everything else that's basically going on in Nueva Ecija. Like, they, like they even have relatives running, running for, um, uh, running for elected office. Like they really want to give back. They really want to give back to to uh, to, uh, to to the place that raised them. 
Um, and I think that that's one of the reasons why I just like some of the struggles like you know growing up here as a Filipino American I was never really forced to be like you're, you're an American now um, or you're a Fil like don't forget to be a Filipino I never never felt that growing up I never felt like I wasn't Filipino enough because I saw my family and they were proud to be Filipino but I also saw my family it's like being blessed to be an American I, I saw it as both and that was my experience maybe not everyone has had it um um, and I'm not even saying my experience is the right experience. I'm just saying this is my experience. My experience was that I, I was blessed to come from a family that, um, that remembered their heritage, but also regarded, regarded their opportunity. That's what I really take, take from like being raised a Filipino American, um, is seeing the opportunity. Seeing the opportunity that I have being a Filipino American. I think that that's also why like, even my demeanor, even the way that I um, that, that I present myself, like I present myself being raised a Filipino, being respectful, honorable to those uh, where honor is definitely due to your elders and to people of uh, to people in which like God has put into uh, into high value leadership for others to uh, for for others to you know like, uh, to see. Um, I see that very um, very very predominantly within um, within my upbringing as a Filipino. As an American, I also take um, a lot of, uh, I also have a lot of gratitude in being an American to know that um, it is still, there is still a privilege to be born and raised here in the American, in the Americans, in the U.S. in particular. There is a, there is a certain privilege, but also an opportunity to give. I think as a nation, um, being an American, um, it is our, um, it is, it, we have a great opportunity to give back. I think as Americans, sometimes we forget. I think as, as, as Americans, we do struggle, um, with, um, a, a very, a very pre, uh, predominant sin of entitlement. Uh, and we mistake that for opportunity. It's like we have an opportunity to do something great, but we take it and think that we are entitled to greatness. No, we're not. We have the opportunity to experience it, but we also have the responsibility to share it, to share it with others who, and I hate to use this word or like this phrase, but those who are less fortunate, and I don't like to say it that way just because it's like, there's a certain fortunate, like fortunate is a matter of perspective. Um, like, being fortunate I remember asking my mom this question um, because me and my me and my cousin were like really like thinking about what if we were all raised in the Philippines like our parents never left like would we be like you know like like how would our upbringing be different how would we be different um, like would be like and I think the big question that me and my cousin were asking during the time this is during our Philippine trip I was just like, would we be, would we have missed something? And my mom had a really good answer that really blessed me. Like she just looked at me and she just said, I think you'd be fine. I think nothing really would change. I think you'd still want to go to the States. I think that that would be an aspiration. But like she basically said, you'll be okay. Because again, it's just a matter of perspective. And she, she basically says, like, look at the people in the province. They don't know, they don't know any better 
uh, because it's what they were raised in. Technically, for me, I don't know any better be, being raised in the U.S., so I don't know if there's a better thing out there because my um, my situation and my upbringing is just U.S. Like, so I'm I'm in, I'm in a very closed box in the U.S. People would argue that it's a more privileged box. I have more opportunities here, but it's a box nonetheless. I don't know. I don't, I don't know what an upbringing would be in any other country. And she she basically said that. My mom's real smart. And she yeah she basically said I don't you wouldn't know any better so you'd still be happy. And I was like you know what you're right. But like you know like if we have an opportunity as an American as Americans as as people in the, in the U.S. Like to uh, to sh- to share to share opportunities that we have, then why not go for it? In reflection, I think that that's what it was back in the day. Um, all my parents, my aunts, my uncles, they saw an opportunity to do something better, and I think I almost know this as well too, because like a lot of their encouragement came from like their their moms and dads. Um, from um, my mom, it was definitely my uh, my Lola and my Lola. They were encouraging her to go to the states because there's more opportunity. But they were encouraging her uh, not because they didn't like the Philippines or anything like that. But they were basically saying, "We want the best for you." So we raised you up to seize those opportunities. And I I really do believe like my my mom saw that my dad saw that my aunts and uncles saw that that there was an opportunity there. Um, and I, I really I really believe that that's that's all it was. Um, I asked the same question to my aunt who stayed in the Philippines um, to uh, to raise her to raise her boys um, to to be married to my uncle and to de- uh, to develop a vibrant church within Quezon City. And I asked her as well too. It's like why didn't you go? Because I remember my aunt being in the States like during the 80s. It's like, why didn't you stay in the States? And she really said, because the opportunity was in the Philippines. And I think, again, it's a matter of perspective. She saw that there was an opportunity to bless the Philippines uh, with the Word of God, with, uh, with, uh, with developing a church, and to help people see the love, the mercy, the grace of God, and the salvation that they could have in believing in Him. They saw that opportunity in developing their church. I think that's all it was. It was the idea of opportunity. So I guess going back, um, going to this concert, yeah, <laughs> all this came and stemmed from going to a Ruby Ibarra concert. Um, maybe not just that. I mean, this this question has been milling over me. Like going to all these other mics within LA, a lot of them are very Asian American or Filipino American fuel. Uh, shout outs to Tuesday Night uh, Tuesday Night Cafe. Shout outs to. Um, to Sunday Jump. If you're in the LA area, I really recommend going to these mics. A lot of really great performers, a lot of encouragement, especially if you're an artist, um, especially if you, you do want to feel like kind of the, the roots of your own culture, your own city, if you're an Angelino, um, and, um, and your own roots as a Filipino. Um, these are definitely places that, that you want to experience, even if just once. Um, uh, just experience what the culture is like around you. Um, but I, I go to these places, and I'll be honest. I mean, um, I, ha- I have a special love for these places because um, they really do help performers. They have open mics for artists like me, like poets, spoken word artists. Um, but I feel that same way as a Fil- as a Filipino um, growing up with the upbringing I had as my my own unique upbringing as a Filipino. Sometimes I don't relate. Um, 
I don't feel guilty, but sometimes I feel awkward feeling more American than Filipino. Um, I tease a lot, but I also kind of halfway mean it. Um, I um, I think of myself as American Filipino more than Filipino American for the simple fact that like I grew up here. <laughs> um, so I again I just don't really know any better. Um, than just to think of myself as American. And, um, ooh, that's gonna make noise. <laughs> okay, one second. Um, but yeah, like, it's just, it, it's, it's, it's just my way of thinking about, um, it, it's my way of thinking about, um, about who I am, about my identity. I, I identify as an American because I was raised here. I identify as American because because my home my home is Covina, which is in California. My home is California, which is in the U.S. Um, I I don't know, and that's the thing too. Like being in the Philippines, I didn't feel like I felt like it was incredible being there, being around the culture that that um, that raised me. But it wasn't me. It wasn't me. Like I like I don't identify as just being solely Filipino um, and I think that that's fine um, that's definitely fine but at the same time it's just like not um, um, to me um, identifiably not me but you know like you bring them to California you show me downtown LA um, like you like when you do that that's when I feel like this is my hometown um, so it's a big blessing actually on the side note like being a driver um, and, um, and going into LA like, and kind of experiencing that um, experiencing being like uh, uh, ooh, I took the wrong exit it's okay um, it can be rectified um, like I, I, I feel at home like in downtown streets especially when I do ride share um, I feel at home talking to the people here um, like I feel, I feel more at home um, driving down LA and hearing mariachi music, and um, going down, going down places like like Melrose Avenue, Beverly, um, like um, uh, Beverly Avenue, um, going down like Normandy um, and downtown. Like these are the places where I kind of grew up. Um, so I, I identify with them. I identify being here. Um, at, I feel at home um, going to I don't know like I feel at home going to going to a um, going to a strip mall um, is this a strip mall? no yeah yes strip mall um, yeah going to a strip mall and seeing um, uh, seeing a taco shop Chinese fast food uh, a lavenderia Um, and a Starbucks <laughs> like, that makes me feel at home like it's just such an amalgam of different culture such an amalgam of different peoples that feels more home to me than many other things um, and that includes the Philippines I guess to sum it all up like I know I'm Filipino American I feel more American Filipino. 
And just being at that concert made me want to at least talk about it. Talk about how my identity might be, I mean, it is. It is unique to me. It is my own identity. No one else is really just like me and I can have my own upbringing and that's okay. Some parts of me sometimes does want to, does want to relate to um, to the struggles of uh, of what Filipino Americans right now are going through, and I do, I do want to learn more about it. Um, but it's not something that I can directly relate to. But it is something that I can understand. Um, and there's other things that's yeah, being a Filipino American, um, there are struggles that I can relate to that I have grown up with. Um, but it's okay if I don't identify with all of them. Um, I just kind of want to say that. Like, I kind of want to just throw that out there and then just basically say, yeah, like, I'm a Filipino. I'm an American. That's my identity. That's my heart. That's who I am. But shout-outs to, like, all the Filipino Americans going through it talking about it, talking about their experiences, talking about their highlights, talking about what makes them proud to be Filipino. Because honestly, like, for the most part, I identify with that. And if it's okay for me to say I am proud to be Filipino. So, once again, shout-outs to Ruby Ibarra. Girl, you had a great set. Shout-outs to um, all, the others, uh, all, um, all the other performers over there. Um, uh, Balik Bayan, um, her band, her live band, really great set. Keep doing it, keep grinding it out, girly. Um, and then just shout outs to everyone just holding it down for uh, Filipinos and Filipino Americans um, and um, using each and every day to create and recreate culture, recreate who we are as, as Filipino Americans. I feel like each and every day I'm, I'm learning more about what makes that, that experience so unique. So shout outs to you guys. So much thanks. God bless. And let God continue to um, to help us in our journey through culture and to being Filipino. So that's me. That's Kui Paul. This is a big KPR podcast. Thanks once again for listening. Uh, and once again, you can find us on uh, Square Mile City Podcast right here on castbox.fm. Thank you guys for listening. Take care. God bless. I just wish all the best for you guys. And I'll see you guys once again soon. Thanks.